0: well last several services we've been talking about voices and don't look at me strange we're not talking about voices in your head okay we're talking about different voices that god has mentioned in the bible 456 times used in different verses well 456 verses use more times than that because some of them have it multiple times and then 16 verses have the voices not just voice but voices so it's said many times in scripture when a couple weeks ago we looked at the significance of a voice that a voice is to have a certain sound a certain reason and a a purpose and last week we looked at the voice of one crying in the wilderness as we looked at the example of john the baptist and his ministry that god gave him and the voice that god gave him as the forerunner of jesus christ and so one of the voices that is not human that was mentioned and i i did uh, talk about this a little bit before But I want it to be our focus for uh, this morning is the voice of creation. And to see that, we're going to turn to Psalm 19, if you would. Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 19. And we're going to look this morning at the voice of creation. Creation is part of God's revelation of himself. And creation has a voice. And creation uses its voice to proclaim its creator. And so we're going to see this in Psalm 19 and a few other passages as we uh, go through this message here this morning. But if you are physically able, if you would please stand with me as we read Psalm 19, a Psalm of David, and we're going to read the first six verses. Psalm 19 and verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge." There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which as a bridegroom cometh out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from end from the end of heaven and a circuit and the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So I want us to look at as we look at the voice of creation this morning and examine, first of all, the proclamation of creation. The message of, of uh, creation's proclamation, another way to say that. In other words, what is what is pro, uh, nature saying? And then secondly, we'll look at the extent of creation's proclamation. How far does that go? And then the last point will be the limitations of creation's proclamation. So the message, the extent and the limitations of creation's proclamation is what we're going to be looking at this morning as we understand that creation points to its creator so let's look to god for guidance please father again thank you for your word and for your wisdom and for your just the blessings you give us day by day lord we thank you for the songs that were sung this morning and praise and honor to you and May we just never get over the fact, Lord, that you so graciously have forgiven us. You've not condemned us. But if we come to Christ as Savior, that we're offered the gift of of eternal life. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that does not understand that gift, does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, that today they would allow us to show them from your word. And Father, I pray for Christians that each of us would again be reminded of creation around us and how it proclaims your glory and may we understand that that voice speaks of you and may it encourage us lord to use our voice to tell of you pray for those not able to be with us today some still sick and lord do you just raise them up again give them healing but lord i thank you for each one that is here and i pray that you'd work in our hearts now May your Holy Spirit have free reign, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Wants to first of all look at the message of creation's proclamation. Now, let me just give a little bit of theological terms here to help us understand. The first thing is revelation. What is revelation? Well, when, we, when in theology, revelation is is something that we would not understand, or as God communicated truth or information, we would we would which we could otherwise not know. God communicated truth or information, which we could otherwise not know, is a theological definition of revelation. Okay, so for instance, we we talk more about creation and how it proclaims God and what it shows of God, but what would we know of God if he didn't reveal himself to us? Well, we couldn't know anything of him. And so he has chosen to reveal himself to us. And Deuteronomy 29, 29 is a great verse to remind us. It says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You know, there are certain things God has chosen not to reveal to us. I just asked about a simple one just a moment ago. What did Jesus actually write in the sand? We don't know. God chose not to reveal it to us. So this is what God is saying. Those are the secret things that belong to God. Don't worry about those because there's plenty of things he has revealed that we need to deal with. And if we could spend our entire lives working on the things that God has revealed to us, don't worry about the things he hasn't revealed to us. But Revelation then So the information that we would not know unless God revealed it to us is broken down into two primary categories, and those are called general revelation or natural revelation and special or specific revelation. Now, I'm not trying to get lost in the weeds here, but I want to help each of us understand what these things are and how they proclaim God. So Natural or general revelation, it means exactly that. It's things that are, are there that are available to all, hence the term general revelation. Okay, one of these is creation itself. So again, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The revelation of creation shows that there's design and order. So another definition of general revelation is revelation from God that is derived from nature and is available to all mankind through research and reason. So we have creation as part of this general revelation. But what is something else that is available to all? Well, we can see the control of circumstances throughout history, or what we call providence, And if you study history, there are many events that have happened throughout history that have no other explanation, but some external being interceded in the events of that time. Okay, this is a way in which God has revealed himself that we all can see and understand. Daniel chapter 2 verses 20 through 22, Daniel answered and said, "'Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his.'" And he changeth the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding, he revealeth the deep and secret things, he knoweth what is in the darkness, and light dwelleth with him. Again, Daniel showing that God is in control of circumstances. He raises up kings, he puts down kings, and there's things that have happened throughout all history that have shown that there must be one greater than us who has Intervened in history for certain things to be able to happen the way they happened. Acts fifteen verses fifteen or fourteen rather, chapter, Acts chapter fourteen verses fifteen through seventeen, and saying, "Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preaching to you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and sea and all things that are therein." who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways, nevertheless he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our heart with food and gladness. Again, God has shown through different circumstances throughout history his goodness to mankind, and even the fact that he provides the rain for the just and the unjust proves that God is good to all. But another part of the general revelation, and we're not going to get into this much today other than to mention it, is the fact of a conscience. If we were made from just a blob of chemicals, there should be no reason why we should have a conscience that dictates to us certain things are wrong and certain things are right. That actually is the law of God written in our hearts, the way the Bible talks about it, that everybody has a sense of what is right and wrong. There are certain things we know are right and wrong. Now, the conscience can be skewed. The conscience can be corrupted. For instance, and I use this example a lot, cannibals have a conscience. We don't eat people of our own tribe. We eat the neighboring tribe. It's a very skewed conscience, but it's still a right and wrong, right? A very offset right and wrong, but it's still their right and wrong, okay? Okay. Romans 2, 14 and 15 say, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law in themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts in the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Of course, in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned against God, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they knew the difference between good and evil. They, they realized that they were naked. So what did they do? They tried to hide from God. Their conscience all of a sudden bothered them. Now that is the natural or general revelation. So you basically got three, point, three areas of it. You got the conscience, the control of circumstances, and creation. Now real quickly, then there is what's called special revelation. It's revelation from God that's given specifically to individuals and groups. We see this in the complete canon of Scripture, right? We see this in uh, God sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. We see this in angels coming and giving people in the Bible messages, right? And so... This is a special revelation. And by the way, you and I, Christian, have been entrusted with this special revelation to take this message of the gospel to this world around us. Now, that was all kind of leading up. So the message of of creation's proclamation, God has revealed himself, and these are the ways in which God has revealed himself. Now let's focus specifically on creation. So creation tells of its creator. Now, this is a synonymous poem. And if you've never studied Hebrew poetry, understand Hebrew poetry is concerned more about parallelism than it is about rhyming and meter and all those things. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. That's your first phrase. And the firmament showeth his handiwork is the second phrase, basically restating the first phrase in a different way. Okay, so the heaven and the firmament are both a synonymous uh, terms, heaven being the sky, the firmament, the vastness of space. Declare and show, again, synonymous terms. Declared means to to tally or to enumerate or recount. And show has the idea of announcing or telling. And so what are they telling? Well, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Okay, very interesting. Even right there, you see what they're showing. They're showing the glory of God and his handiwork. Showing that God made this. Because there is no way that we should be able to look at creation and say, that happened by random chance. That is what heavens are declaring. I am created. Look at the design of me, is what creation is saying. And you must see that there is an intelligent being who designed me. That's what creation is speaking Romans, Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter one, verses 19 through 20, because that which may be known of God is manifest to them for God has shown it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So creation shows eternal power. You know, it's interesting when we study space, that space is still expanding and we see all the different things that were so powerful in, in, in nature, but yet God is more powerful in that he created it. It shows his eternal power and the Godhead or the fact that there is an intelligence, there is a design. It is interesting how many scientists as they study science truly we'll come to the conclusion there's no way this could have happened by random chance. There's too much organization, too much design. Now, we know this, Christian. We've been taught this. We understand that God created this world in six literal days. We understand that God designed everything. God designed how everything works together. And isn't it amazing? You know, you can't have a flower without the bee to pollinate the bee. And, you know, if there wasn't the food that came from the uh, tree that got pollinated by the bee, then we wouldn't be, the animals wouldn't have their food and we wouldn't have the animals to eat and how it all fits together. It's all by design. You've all heard the illustration. I could not take a, the pieces of a Rolex watch and take all those pieces and throw them in a bag and shake it for six million years and expect to pull out a complete watch at the end of six million years. Yet, when you look at the complexities of even the human body, and these people say it just happened by random chance, there's no way it could have happened. You know what's interesting to me? They used to claim that these single cell uh, organisms are just this blob floating around because that's when we first saw them under a microscope, that's what they look like. But then we get more powerful microscopes, and then we find out that they actually have parts inside of that. Very complex parts, as a matter of fact. It's all by design. And creation is screaming, I am created. So you say, okay, preacher, we get this. So what's the point? Okay, well, the next point I want us to see then is the extent of creation's proclamation. Because verse 3 tells us, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You see, this is revelation of God that God has given to all. Hence the reason why it's called general revelation. It's available to all. There's not a single person on this earth that can look at this world and look at this creation and say, chance. No, but they must come to the conclusion if they're being reasonable, created, designed. Therefore, then their next question should be, Who is this creator? Who is this designer? Creation never stops proclaiming its creator. Verse 2, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Day and night, creation is still speaking of God. It is known and understood by all languages, is what verse 3 is telling us. No speech or no language where their voice is not heard. Now, isn't it interesting I can talk to people who speak a different language and they might not understand a word I say, but when creation speaks, it's a universal language all understand. Then verses 5 and 6 just as a man runs its course, uh, just as the sun runs its course every day, and all feel the heat of it and the benefits of the light, so creation proclaims its creator. Look at verses 5 and 6 as a bridegroom cometh out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race, his going forth is from the end of heaven and a circuit under the end of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Just as um, as the sun rises and falls, so everyone has the ability to understand from creation there is eternal power, there is a Godhead. So Romans one twenty then says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now here's an important point to understand. You ever notice when you are trying to witness to somebody and you're sharing this special revelation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden they're worried about all those tribes in Africa that never had opportunity to hear the gospel. What about all those people in Africa that never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Now a lot of times people are asking you that because they're trying to get you off topic because they're under conviction you know what a real simple answer is god has given them natural revelation god has given them creation creation speaks of him and if one will respond to the light that god has given god will give more light let me say that again if one will respond to the light that god has given god will give more light how many times have you heard missionaries giving accounts of when they went to the field and they got to the mission field, the people have been saying, where have you been? We've been waiting to hear this message of this Jesus Christ. I remember one time hearing a missionary talk about the elders of the tribe would say that one day somebody's going to come and bring the golden book. And when the missionary arrived, he had the golden edge of the book like this and they knew that that was the golden book that was supposed to come how they knew that well somebody was seeking and said hey you know what when i look up in the sky and when i look around me there's too much design for this to have happened by random chance there must be some creator and i can imagine out in those woods some, some man or some woman crying and saying, I don't know who you are, God, but I want to know more about you. And God hears that cry, and he puts it on the missionary's heart to go to them and take the message of Jesus Christ because my God is big enough to get the job accomplished. He will send them more light. But then going back to the one that says, well, what about all those that never heard? Then you take it back, but what about you? But that is the answer. Because the Bible says they are without excuse. Now, God, remember, cannot lie. God has said, I have revealed myself to all through nature. Therefore, nobody has an excuse to stand before God and say, I didn't know. Because God can say, I revealed myself in nature itself. It pointed to the fact that I'm here. You never sought me. You never tried. You never acknowledged it. You never listened to the voice that I put there crying day in and day out. There is a god. There is a god. There is a god. You ignored it. And had you paid attention to it, I would have shown you more. Therefore man is without excuse. Understand something. People ask this question sometimes to distract you, but sometimes because what they're trying to say is how fair is god? I am glad that god has treated us all equally in that he's given us all a general revelation that points to himself. Aren't you? And as I said earlier, even the conscience, well, that's not right. Well, said who? Now, yes, eating the neighbor tribe is still wrong. Okay? In case you were wondering, don't go eating them for lunch. But it's still interesting that they still have a sense of right and wrong, no matter how warped it might be. It's still there. But you know what the sad thing is? Is God is using that again to reveal himself. I have set absolutes, and I've imprinted this in your heart. But man will keep pushing it aside and pushing it aside and pushing it aside to where they have a seared conscience that doesn't bother them anymore. That, again, is ignoring the revelation that God has placed in them. And again, then, without excuse, because you ignored what God not only revealed in creation, but he put it right inside of you, and you still ignore it. So don't allow people to make this assumption that God is unfair and treats people unequally because he has put it in front of everybody and inside of everybody that I am God. He's revealed it to all. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's move on. While the voice of creation proclaims its creator, it's proclaiming there is eternal power, there is a Godhead, there is an intelligent designer, It's proclaiming that all the time. And while it proclaims it to all, every man, woman, boy, and girl upon this earth has the same revelation given to them, there unfortunately is a limitation to the message of creation. Now I mentioned this briefly in an earlier message, but one of the limitations is this. How many times have you heard somebody say, how could a loving God allow such and such to happen the problem is is the world in which we live today is not the world in which God created you know something else creation proclaims if we were look at it I love to go to the mountains but you know what they proclaim judgment you see the world's changed twice say so what do you mean by that the first time when Adam and Eve sinned God put a curse on the ground all those weeds and thistles and thorns and everything else that we hate that grow so fast when nothing else will, that's part of the curse. Thank you, Adam. Although had he not done it, we all would have sinned the same way. But point being is the world is different after sin, after the fall, than it was before the fall. Because before the fall, sin was not in the world. And much of what we see today is a result of sin. Okay, a result of the decay as a result of sin. For instance, sometimes, we talked about this not too long ago, when a baby is born, mama expects the baby and makes sure it has 10 fingers and 10 toes, and you know everything's all perfect on the baby, right? But sometimes it doesn't come out right. Birth defects, things of that nature happen, right? Sometimes people get cancer because you know a cell says, hey, I'm just going to go crazy and start making weird stuff. And so, you know, we have all these things that happen and go wrong in our body. Now, those are a result of sin. Now, let me explain. doesn't mean that person's a sin, their personal sin. It's a result of the curse that was put on the earth because of sin, that there is decay in the world, and so, unfortunately, things go wrong. That makes sense? Okay, now, when we look at the world, just now, with that alone, different than what it was before the fall. And then the world changed again when God told Noah, build an ark and I'm gonna destroy the whole world with an ark, and I, but I'm gonna save your family. You understand the beautiful landscapes that we see today were not what was before the flood. A lot of it changed because you had water over the entire earth and you flood this whole planet with water and I promise you, when it all dries up, it's gonna look different than it did before. And it does, but man doesn't want to acknowledge those two things. Doesn't want to acknowledge that there is a creator and doesn't want to acknowledge that he will judge sin. And so they, according to Peter, are willingly ignorant. They choose to ignore the facts that are right before them. Okay, now going back to the limitation of creation. Because what we see is a sin-cursed earth, It's not the way God designed it. Creation's message cannot show the love and mercy of God. How many times have you heard scientists saying about that, you know, it's really cruel the way things happen in in nature. You know, I mean, this animal eats this animal, and this animal eats this animal, and we eat the cow, amen. But people, when they say, well, how could a loving God have such things happen? I'm glad you asked that question. It's actually not by what God's design was. It's because we live in a sin-cursed earth that these things happen. God's original design was perfect. We messed it up. That's really the simple answer. Okay, the other limitation then of creation is that we see this sin in the world, but we don't know how to solve the problem. Well, because we can't solve the problem. We don't know what the answer is just by looking at creation alone. I cannot look at creation and say, I'm a sinner. I deserve to be eternally separated from God. But Jesus Christ loved me enough to become a man and live upon this earth and to die and be buried, and rise again, that I could have eternal life, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I cannot look at nature and and determine that. That is where that, and this is why I took the time at the beginning to explain, special revelation comes into play, okay? This is why it's important, Christian, that you and I take the gospel to every creature, This is why it's important we continue to send out missionaries to go and preach the gospel. That if God calls one from here to go and take the gospel to others, that we respond to that call because, yes, they're without excuse because they do have creation saying, yes, there is a Godhead. Yes, there is eternal power. But it's not enough to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is your my responsibility given to us from the moment we were saved in what God calls the Great Commission. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Here's what unfortunately happens. Let's go back and take, for example, my hypothetical tribe in Africa that's never heard the gospel. Some native there sees that there is all this power He sees that there must be some being greater than himself. So instead of crying out and asking who this being is, he goes and he takes a log and he carves it into a statue and he bows down before it saying, you must be my God. Is that not what happens? Because I heard it said this way, and I don't mean this irreverently, but this is truthfully what man has done. God created man in his image and man turned around and returned the favor, creating God in our image. I don't mean that irreverently, but it's exactly what man has done. He's tried to make God in our image, and he's not in our image. You see, the creation is supposed to be pointing there is something greater than you, but man says, well, I don't want it to be greater than me, so I make up my own God. It's a limitation of creation. Which brings us to the, uh, the fact that man's reasoning is corrupt, and that's why man does what they do. Jeremiah tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so man's wicked heart, instead of turning and saying, whoever you are, show me. Man says, I'll make up my own God. But the good news is, is that creation can be a foundation for us to build upon in presenting the special revelation. Say, what are you talking about? Hold your place here in Psalms. And let's go over to Acts 17 for just a moment. Come with me over to Acts 17. So here's Paul preaching. And he's there in Athens on Mars Hill. And these are not born-again believers that he's talking to. Matter of fact, these are not even Jews that he's talking to. These folks that he's talking to have no understanding of God's Word, no understanding of who God is, these are Romans, Greeks, they're, they're, they're just pagan people, okay? They're, they're lost folks. And so let's look at this message here in Acts chapter 17 and starting at verse 22. Paul says, then, or the word of God says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceived in all things you are too superstitious, too religious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Now years ago, I looked that up, and I believe it was Matthew Henry's commentary that explained, it might have been a different commentary, but explained that this to the unknown God did not mean that we had all these altars to all these gods, and in case we forgot one, we built an extra one. But actually what the understanding of it is, is that they had all these gods that they knew their names because they made them up. But they knew there was a bigger one, but nobody could remember his name. But he's the God that's over all the others, but we don't remember his name. So we're going to build an altar to the unknown God. And with that context, it makes a lot more sense what Paul is choosing this altar to preach god to him because he's saying these are all your gods over here but this one you don't know who he is but he's over all the others he's the real one i'm going to tell you who he is now let's move on verse 24 god that made the world and all things therein seeing that he is lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything see if he giveth the life all giveth to all life and breath and all things and hath of one blood all nations, and hath made of, all, of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Okay, so what's Paul start with? He says, God that made the world and all the things that are in the world. Paul starts with creation. He takes his message, he's going to preach to them repentance in Jesus Christ, he's going to preach to them the message of salvation. But understanding that these folks have no understanding of God whatsoever. He goes, I'm going to tell you about this God over here. He's actually the God that created this whole world. He's the God that put man on this world and by one blood made all the nations. And he's, he's in control of all things. You see, he's laying down the foundation of who God is before he says, and then this God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and die for me. Christian, you and I need to understand we can use the general revelation of God that's already been given to man because did not these people to whom Paul's speaking already see nature and understand, wow, this is something big. This planet we live on is kind of big. And there's a lot going on here, and it's pretty well designed. So he uses that and says, let me tell you about the one who designed it. Let me tell you about the one who made that. And not only did he make it, and did he make you and put you on this world, but he's provided a way of salvation for you. You see how we can build on the special revelation? We can can talk about the God giving his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us once we have built on the foundation of what creation already proclaims, that there is a God. You see, they didn't question about, is there a God? They had all these gods they're worshiping. He's saying, let me tell you about the true one that created everything. Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though, they be, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. For as much then we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, stone, graven by art or man's devices. Okay, we ought not to think that God is like all this stuff you have built right here. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the, that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given us assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. Now he starts preaching unto him Jesus Christ and he gets to the resurrection and this is when they start responding because this is when some mocked. <laughs> A man raised from the dead? That's pretty funny, Paul. And others are like, hmm, curious. I'll have to hear you out on that one sometime, but not today. But others, when Paul got to this point, said, that's what I've been looking for. That's the true God. That's the one who not only created me, not only sustains me, but loved me enough to send his son to die for me. That's the God that I want to follow. And was that not Paul's point the whole time is saying, stop following all these false gods over here. Let me tell you about the true one over here. But he started with what they knew, which was creation. You know, the great thing is everybody lives on planet earth. They've all seen creation. They already have the message and so you say, well, where do I start? That's a great starting point because they already know it. They already heard that voice. Now you need to tell them who made that voice. Just tell them, that the voice that's telling them about God. Now you need to tell them about the God to put the voice in the earth to tell them about him, right? Tell them, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, right? Tell them that, hey, you know the beauty is? Yes, it does look unfair in this world. Yes, there are, is sickness. There is, there is death in this world. But that's because of the sin that we have. By the way, let me tell you what that sin is. And you can explain to them that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That every one of us deserves to be separated from God. We deserve eternal death because of our, our sin. As a matter of fact, if God were, God would be righteous in sending every one of us to hell. He'd be justified and sending everyone never want us to hell. But you asked about how God can allow these bad things. Let me tell you something. That you got the wrong concept of God because he is a God of love. And let me tell you how much he really loves you. You see, he loved you so much that before he even created this world, he had determined that he was going to send himself to come down and be part of his creation and live among us and live a perfect sinless life, and allow himself to be crucified on a cruel cross, and be beaten, and shed his blood on that cross, and to die in your place, to die for you. He's not a cruel God, he's a loving God. And he loves you so much that he provided this way of salvation, and you know what the beauty of it is? He wants to save you right now. He will be your Lord and Savior. He'll forgive you of your sin, You'll no longer have the penalty of sin being held against you because that was placed on Jesus Christ. And as soon as you accept him as your savior, he places his righteousness on you. He's not a cruel God. He's a loving God. But we got to take the voice of creation, folks, because they all have it. And we got to use that voice of creation and then add our voice to it that can give them the good news, the rest of the story. Because creation unfortunately falls short of telling the whole, the whole story. And you and I have the responsibility of telling it. The privilege of going and telling it. But let's not neglect the voice of creation. Because you see, as those on Mars Hill had a choice, as they heard Paul speaking, and some mocked, some said, we'll hear you again, Paul. Some said, we believe. People today, as we tell them, still have a choice But some will choose to reject the revelation of God. They will ignore the facts of a designer. They will ignore the evidence that the earth is truly a young earth. They will ignore the evidence that God did judge this earth with a worldwide flood. They will ignore their conscience. They will mock the word of God. And some will even try to persecute the Christian to get you to be quiet because they just don't want to hear. Romans 1, 19 through 21. Because that would because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now get verse 21. Because that When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. What became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. You wonder why we see what we see in the world today? It's because people have rejected God's message and the voice of creation. They've rejected God's message in in the word of God. They've rejected God's message in their conscience. And they say, no. I understand there must be some, some greater being, but I'm going to ignore the evidence. I'm going to follow my own way. And, I'm, and, and, and it leads to a thankless spirit. And then if you read through the progression or the digression of Romans chapter one, it leads to the abominations that we see prevalent in our society today. And it all started by saying, no, God. But I am thankful why that seems to be so prevalent in our society today that there are those out there who are saying there must be more than this. There must be more to life than this. There must be some truth somewhere. And Christian, it's a joy and a privilege to be able to take that truth to them and introduce to them Jesus Christ. But let us be faithful in doing so. Let us remember, creation is speaking, but it has a limited voice. But where it stops is where you and I should start. And God has blessed you and I with the privilege of not only being able to tell them about Jesus, but you and I get the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ. The voice of creation proclaims its creator. It's heard by all, and it never stops speaking. But it falls short in showing the way of salvation. So Christian, are you and I using our voice to proclaim Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world? Let us bow for a word of prayer.